for the the uh, ministers who do the offerings for us, Lord. It's just so edifying. We get such good reports from people, uh, and they are encouraged and built up, and and uh, it's just a blessing, Father, how you use your body to bless and encourage one another. So we thank you for that encouragement that comes through your word, and we thank you, Father, for sharing with us what's on your heart today. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen. So uh, God told me to tell you this, is that you will pass the test. Amen. You will pass the test. You will pass the test. God's tests are always open book. Amen. And you have a tutor. And you have a private tutor is the Holy Spirit. He coaches you through the testing time. Amen. So you can depend on God to make sure that you pass every single test and you understand the purpose of the testing. Uh, there are three reasons or three, three outcomes of testing. One is to prove you. That, that's got to be done. Um, everything has to be proven. Its validity has to be proven. Uh, even alcoholics want stuff proven. You ever seen bottles that said 40 proof, 80 proof? It's been proven to have, well, if 40, uh, 40, 80 proof really is, I think it's 40% alcohol. A proof is half of the percentage. You don't want anything more than that, okay? You go blind if you have 100, 200 proof, which is, you know, 100%. But uh, rums and drinks like that that, you know, you pass out when you open the bottle. Yeah, well, they're greater than 100 proof, right? And what they would do, they would take a sample of the alcohol before it was bottled and before it was sold, and they would light light it fire to prove how much it burned for a certain length of time according to the amount of alcohol and it started out with a little explosion so don't try that at home if you got got a little got your little apertif your so-called communion wine i know how y'all roll and uh, don't try that at home but it would it would have to have been proven to have a certain amount in it and that's what god does with us with our faith he knows what your faith will do it's not you're not proving yourself to him, but you're proving yourself for you so that you know that your faith will do what it's supposed to do. Your faith, you've got to know that your faith will do the job. Many times we're trying to get God to do things for us beyond our level of faith. And so your faith must be proven as to what it can do. Uh, also, so God, the other thing he wants to do with testing our faith is it completes us. We have things missing. We have things not quite adjusted properly. Uh, we have doubts. We have fears. We have all kinds of things that will interfere with our faith. So the testing of it allows God to remove the impurities so that we can get down to the real deal. The testing of faith is similar to the smelting of of metals where they were tried in the fire and came out pure. So our faith gets tested in what we call the crucible of life. You know, a crucible was a smelting device where they would put um 
uh, raw materials in and, and submit it to a certain amount of fire. It would melt down. The dross would come onto the top, could be skimmed off, or, or it would evaporate. You could burn it off, but you wanted to get it down to what was pure. And so that's what God does with our faith. He gets it down to the pure form so that when we step out to hit the devil with it, he backs up instead of laughing at us. Sometimes your faith can be so mired in, in your, uh, your awareness of trouble and problems and things that it hardly has an opportunity to get released from your soul, from, from the things that in, entanglements, our faith is subject to entanglements. Remember, uh, uh, Pharaoh said about the nation, the children of Israel, he said, oh, uh, he didn't think they really got across the Jordan or could get across. He said, oh, they'll just get entangled in the land, in the wilderness. And so when God leads you and he leads you by faith, there is no entanglement. And so he's trying to, to disentangle us from the things that would hinder our faith from going forth. For instance, you know, I'll sometimes look at people and, and look at how long they allow discouragement to linger on them when they run into a situation where they don't get what they want right away. Uh-huh. It feels like a church in here. Huh? See, we think it's normal to be discouraged. It's normal for people who have no hope. But for people who have hope, discouragement is not normal. Why would you afford yourself the luxury of sitting around feeling bad and imitating the person that you used to be before Christ came into your life? See, that's all we're doing. When we give in to feelings. Nothing more than, (laughs) I tried to resist it. See, it is nothing more than feelings. Feelings are very, very uh, temporary, but many times we nurse them because we don't know what else to do. You're so accustomed to falling into the habit of reacting. See, there's nothing wrong with the devil hitting you with an emotion. But if he's gonna, if he throws it to you, you need to hit it right back. See, you don't need to embrace it and make it your own and nurse it. And that's what we do. See, when you feel a certain way about something, and that goes for love too. Now that we on the subject. Hooked on a feeling. High on believing. That you're in love with me. Uh-huh. That's all it is. We get high on a feeling. Of course, now I'm not talking to the saints. I'm talking to people who aren't here. Huh? 
<laughs> but we have to be careful about that because your soul, the human soul, is so accustomed to responding and reacting in a certain way. But your spirit man has a different way of responding and he wants to get in the game. So you're being tested to see if your faith will hold out and you will fight that discouragement and resist it and say, that is not normal for me. I need to stay encouraged. You know why you need to stay encouraged? Because the devil wants you discouraged so he can go slap your kids Get them in trouble. Get them stupid. And while you sitting up whining and moaning about yourself, you can't do your job. That's why Jesus said, watch as well as pray so that you don't enter in. See, your faith will keep you off the edge of temptation. You can enter into it. You see, the testing of God is like this. You, you are going somewhere with your faith. Your faith is taking you somewhere. And on that journey, you have to keep it moving forward. The enemy sets up, and so God, in, in his wisdom, keeps you moving forward, but you're moving against resistance. It's like being out in a windstorm or a snowstorm, and you've got to get home. So you hunker down and, and tuck it in and you keep moving against the wind that's trying to get you to stop and go in the cheers and sit up and have a drink with somebody. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's what we like to do when things are difficult. We want to go console us. We want to tell everybody how hard it is. If anybody will listen, we'll tell everybody how hard it is and and allow ourselves to back away from the resistance when God wants you to keep pressing as much faith as is within you, press with that. And if you stay in the place of pressing and testing, he will give you more to pull you through because you will pass the test. You have to be determined to experience that victory. You have to be sick of not getting what you ask God for. You've got to know that it belongs to you. Now, we're good at, you know, fictitious faith. I believed I received when I prayed. How come you acting like that? If it's yours, act like it's yours. Huh? The nice thing is that when you belong to the body of Christ, you belong to a fellowship of spiritual people. Let me put it to you that way. You don't have time to fall down on the job. Cause, and see, I, I can tell when people say, oh, I don't want to run into so-and-so and so-and-so in church. She's going to tell me to quit being discouraged and quit and trying to pet me up. And No, we're trying to keep you in the race so you don't lose. We already agree with you for what it is you say you want. This is part of agreement. We're just holding up our end. See, it wouldn't be fitting for me to tell you, oh, it's okay if you don't. That don't even sound like me, does it? Tell, never tell you it's okay. And it don't have to be parked in my house. It's just not okay on principle. You understand what I'm saying? And so when we, we face these tests, what the enemy wants to do is take us under in them. God has it there. God sees you going forward. 
Satan sees you getting your foot in a snare. So if I'm walking against the wind and I see a, a and I tell myself I'm tired and the devil tells me I'm tired and I can't go any further and I decide to sit down and sit it out and get discouraged, I put myself in a trap because he's neutralized my faith. That's all he wants to do is get you to a place where your faith isn't visible to God. It's in there somewhere. You got enough for people who think, you know, you need a whole bunch of, you know, I just don't have enough faith to do that. Stop that. Use what you got. If you don't have enough, you know what to do. You go get in your word. Go find you some scriptures. Go find, stick them up on the wall. Whatever you do when you really want something, you need to do that every day. And live like that. Allow yourself to come out of your emotional response and reaction to everything. Now, you might feel good for a minute, you know, somebody pets you up because you don't. Cut it out. You don't need that. You don't need that. Your spirit does not respond to that. What you need is somebody to give you the word of God, give you a scripture, give you something to encourage you. Sometimes we get so bad we don't want to hear the saints give us the word. Get mad at them because they want to encourage us not to quit. Because quitting means that you forfeit everything that you built your, your walk of faith on. It's not just you think... When you quit asking God for a certain thing or believing God for one thing, that that's all you're forfeiting. I got news for you. Faith doesn't know what it's attached to. You got me? So that faith, he said, well, I don't know. I guess I'm happy being single. I don't want no husband. you just scared he don't want you. Huh? Have you seen what's out here? Beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. Huh? I said I wouldn't go go here today. I was going to talk about happy things. <laughs> happy things. <laughs> you just, you just, you're basing your supernatural faith on what's visible and what's in your imagination. There are people that don't want to get married based on imaginary things. It's not like, you know, I sent my family, everybody in my family got divorced, and and I had a mean dad and beat my mom. and You ain't had all that. You're just basing your reality on something somebody else said they had. And you listen to that stuff, and it builds up fear on the inside of you resentment on the inside of you but but the real you under there really wants somebody to love you got me but you let evil report push that down so that you're not connected with that anymore and then you just look at what's out here and then the devil gets you ensnared because you look at somebody and and you check off your checklist and they're missing eight of the top ten they only got two, which is they wear pants and they ain't gay. And you you take that. Yeah. Oh, grow up. I wish there was some grown people here I could talk to. 
Did you know you don't have to lay eyes on the person God has for you? You just have to know they're coming. Huh? And your inner radar goes. You can do all this by your inner radar. Talking to y'all for. I'll go talk to some Presbyterians. They might stare at your rolly eyes half the sermon, but they get it. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. But but um, I tell you that to tell you that your faith has to stay visible to God all the time. It's got to be active. It's got to be working on something. The Bible says faith without works is dead because it's by itself. You need something to attach it to to bring it alive. When Jesus would ask the disciples, where is your faith? That means that they had tucked it away somewhere because they were scared now and weren't using their faith for it. Why do you put it away when you get scared? When you experience fear, all you have to do is be determined to step on that. Use fear as a stepping board over into a higher level of faith. Instead of something that's going to dictate to you that you can't do certain things. You can't have certain things. We make our things too big for God sometimes. You know, he doesn't see any difference in what you're asking for. It's all the same to him. It's all attainable with your faith. It doesn't matter what it is. Some of us have seen miracles in in our lives. As small children, if you grew up in this ministry, you've seen healings and miracles all your life. But yet now you don't think God can get you a job promotion or a decent job or a decent somebody to marry. You don't think God can do any of those things. Why? Because you put a different value on things that God does. He don't care who you marry. Just don't come to him complaining about him after you've. Marry somebody who pays their bills, male or female. I don't care. Marry somebody that has a decent job, that if if you broke your leg or something like that ungodly happened, they could take care of you, at least for a short period of time. Marry somebody that's got some credentials. Look at their resume. Get a matching resume to yours. Don't marry somebody with a bunch of baggage and... Already in court, they got four kids, different, all four different mamas already in court. What are you going to live off of? You're not assigned to take care of their kids. I'm going to say it again. You are not assigned to take care of some other woman's children. Unless you're legally adopting them. Y'all cut this nonsense out. Because I can feel it. Everybody started a list with the top ten, and now you down, boom, 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 boom. You ain't got but two checked off. One of them is leaving because he might be gay. He gets tired of paying child support, and he will be. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. And see, I didn't even get to a scripture yet. Hmm, fancy that. Praise God. Just stop it. You know, you just hooked on a feeling. 
Men with, with illegitimate babies know how to make you feel good. Can I say that in church? They know what buttons to push. Bong. Huh? You sprung on a feeling. Amen. You ain't even done nothing yet. Amen. Can I say that in yes. church? Thank yes. you. Yes. Grow up. Yes. Get out of the gutter. Woo. You know, you can be in the ark of God. You know, the ark had several levels. The animals were on the level next to the bottom, and on the bottom, guess what was on that? Think about it. What do you think is underneath the animal stall? The dung heap. If your kids want to play in there, you know, please inform them you don't have to play in the dung heap. You're in the ark. Come up to the level where the humans live. Huh? You don't have to play in the poop stall. Come up to the level where the humans live. Amen? It's for you. That ain't for you. Them babies' mamas don't want him. What you doing with it? Huh? We're kings and priests of the Most High God. See, why you wasting time with somebody like that, the person God has for you, he's ready to go and found somebody else that was ready. Oh, you think it's only one person for one person they'll wait for you? This train is leaving now. You can be on it or you don't have to be. Get real. Just get in position. Act like you're expecting the right person to come in your life and stay there. Don't get yourself distracted by anything that comes along. He's just so nice. He acts like a Christian. Hmm. You seen how many religious spirits? Been getting dressed, coming to church forever. <laughs> Who was it? Somebody had a, I think it was out at Robert's church, the people he had hired as his assistant pastors. They said that they had been pastoring for years. Was that the Pilars? Where's Shannon Crowley? She gone? The Pilars, I think they were uh, ministering. And the the wife said, "Well, I've been. I thought I was saved for years." She said, An "Evangelist came by and preached in our church, and I sat and cried like a baby. My husband came home, and I was still crying. She just got saved. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, just because I sit in a refri- in a refrigerator, that don't make me a carrot. You hear me? Y'all better grow up and act like you got some discernment." Huh? Take it out of that box where you packed away your Bible with it and shake it off and start discerning. Huh? <laughs> I knew somebody called themselves mad at the church. You know, be careful when you get mad at God's people because you don't have nobody else to get mad at. You get mad at us, we're it. You don't like us too bad. You're going to have to get to learn how to love us because we're it as far as your help is concerned. Call herself mad at the church. Devil told her, 
sinners are nicer than church people. You ever heard that one before? It's a very popular demonic phrase. Uh, you know what? That's like saying, leave your family because they're the worst people in the world. And they've been taking care of you all your life, made sure you got here, weren't aborted. You understand what I'm saying? And so she believed that, married a sinner, didn't even have enough gumption in God to pray and get him saved. See, my thing is this. If you're going to be a renegade, then you got to stay faithful to what you call yourself doing with your life. She didn't even have enough confidence in God to pray for salvation for a household. See what I'm saying? So, see, the problem was never with God's people. It was with Got me? Person cheated on her, her whole marriage got to the point she couldn't stand the sight of them anymore. Oh, but they're nicer than church people. You come to church to find God. You don't come to church to find people that are nice to you. You're not the center of attention. See, the devil likes that. He'll get people diverted in their thinking. God's testing you every time you come to church. You're being tested to see if you love people, not if they love you. You understand me? Let's don't get it twisted here. He likes people that feel they're the center of the universe and get them to step out and do something stupid. And then every day they get beaten down by their lives and they understand that they're not it see now god could teach you that lesson by the holy spirit you just get in the word and you find out oh my my thinking's wrong i'm i'm thinking i'm this and i'm that and everybody else is wrong i repent that's all you need to do to save yourself a lifetime of trouble but see by the time the devil get finished whooping your head you'll feel like worse than nothing but you will know that you're not the center of the universe you got me but you won't know it in the way god wants you to understand it and so the testing of our faith is extremely important don't get yourself twisted up in emotional things feeling things what you think people think about you things because none of that has anything to do with your faith Your faith operates on the power of the word of God, and it is true to the word of God. Your faith can only work to bring things into your life that God wants you to have. You got me? So you allow your faith to work on the things that God wants you to have. And learn how to be content where you are. Just get content. Make up your mind you're not going to get anxious about anything. You're not going to get uh, rebellious to get something. You're going to curb your cravings. (laughs) Fruit instead of Twinkies. You You understand what I'm saying. That kind of stuff. Vegetables. I bought me a bunch of cats. I'm going to be a cat lover. If I don't love nothing else, I'm going to love my cats, you know. It worked, you know, you get yourself in there, the shock of it, not having, you know, a sugar high, like stick your arm out, let them shoot your vein with it. That's what a Twinkie is. It's like, 
<laughs> that jolt <sighs> took the edge off. Uh-huh. A carrot is a little slow. You don't get the jolt, but it's good for you. You got me? We're not a people that live off our jolts. We're content people. You're content because you know that whatever it is that you desire, you're holding on to it by your faith, and God is faithful. He will see your faith, and he will send the thing that you are asking him for. Amen? So, God does this to prove us. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, let me show that to you. It was so good in the nation of Israel. God did so many wonderful things for them and through them. And as he went, he taught them what was going on. And that's the wonderful thing. So Deuteronomy is the second law of Moses, the second book of the law. It goes through the law. In fact, you'll see the Ten Commandments twice in the Bible. You'll see all of the commandments over and over and over again because God had to reiterate his law to them so they would understand that he is only doing things for their good. So Deuteronomy 8 and verse... Let me see. Start in verse 10. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, so your guarantee, that's a guarantee right there that God will provide for you. And not just a little bit. He said, when you're eating, you're satisfied. God does not want anybody to get up from the table hungry. Amen. Except me. I need to, I need to leave it alone. You know, at half, at half portion. Whatever, whatever. But you know what I'm saying. The provision is there for you. When you're eating and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good he has given you. Now this should be a standard in our thinking. When good things happen, praise God. You know why? Because the devil will come by later and tell you, you got that for you. If you don't leave a Thanksgiving there, oh, hi, April, I thought you, hi, darling, good to see you. How, how's it going? Not too busy. No. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Get a thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you. So it says, he says here, when you are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good he has given you. If you leave that open, it's like this is an event that's happened in your life. This is a conversation between you and God. You prayed for something. He provided. Now it's your turn to respond and end the conversation. If you don't end the conversation with thanksgiving to God, then it's an open conversation. Guess who's going to come in and fill in the book? You got it. Your, your power, your, your smarts, your education, your this, your that. Got all this for you. Huh? I remember the day I knew my husband was converted. And uh, we had moved to Detroit then. And he had a little room, called it his music room. You know, he's funny, you know, funny about his little stuff, you know. I would look at some of his little, little, uh, his sound equipment. And I would imagine myself sticking some dynamite under it. Boom! (laughs) But, you know, we bless the brother. We bless you. But he was that funny about it, make you want to blow it up when he ain't. Baby, I don't know what happened to that stuff. It just... I was praying to it. I was trying to stop it, but yeah, or whatever. I don't know. But anyhow, uh, he was up there, and I walked in the room. 
the room. You know, where you don't go in until it's the sanctum. Where he has all his speakers and all of his stuff. So I walked in at the room. And he was sitting there weeping. And I said, oh, this is a turn of events here. <laughs> I, I think I'll stay. <laughs> and he said, oh, I was just thinking. You know, I used to get mad at you when you would say, praise God, when we got blessed. I thought, why can't she tell me I do something good? You don't answer questions like that with people. You just let God talk. See, when God answers that question for them, it's all taken care of. Honey. Much much better than you could. He said, and I just sat here and I realized I haven't done anything to deserve this. I said, ooh, somebody done got saved. Huh? It's the truth. So God says it for that reason. Because he had gone all his life thinking he was the one doing stuff. You know, I've been saved for about 20 years. I've been praying for him and for the things we needed in our household. And it took that long for him to get broken enough to understand that he was not the one doing those things. It was God after all. So God will do it. You understand what I'm saying? He'll do it. But, but it is true that if you don't fill that in with thanksgiving and praise to God, the devil will come by later and convince you. He'll fight with you to make you believe that you are the one who is doing all this stuff. And God knew that. So he was teaching Israel not to fall into the trap. You start thinking you, you're doing it and you'll be on your own with your faith. Your faith in God won't work anymore. And he says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. He said, be careful about this. I used to think when I was younger, and even younger as a Christian, I would hear older saints always say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And I would think to myself, I said, what do you keep going on like that for? You know, it's not prayer time. It's a, you know, when you want to rebuke somebody because, you know, you know God because you got faith teaching under you. You've got stupidity teaching under you. Because you don't know the, 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 the activity of the Holy Spirit to counsel and comfort. See, that's what a real comforter does. A real comforter makes his presence known to people. And those people were under the presence of God at all times. And they, they saw Thanksgiving as a way to keep the presence of their best friend near to them. You got me? Took me, I don't know how many years to figure that out. After observing it in people. for See, you can stay real stupid in God and think you're smart. It's the basic, simple things. Thanksgiving always brings the increase of whatever it is you're thanking him for. If you're just thanking him for being around you, you'll get an increase of his presence in your life. We have to understand these things. Because they're very important things to understand. So he says, he says, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and you're satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase. Now, God's saying this, all of this will happen to you. You're a child of God. This stuff will happen to you. He says when this happens. He didn't say if it happens. He says when it happens. He says, I've got all of this 
stored up for you and you will pass the test and you will get to the point where you have grown and prospered and you're wealthy. He said, but you got to pass the test. Worst thing in the world is to think your wealth got it and one day you realize it doesn't and you're scared. And you spend all your life trying to hold on to what you got and keep the devil from stealing it from you. So you best grow in your faith. And he says this, he says, when then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous, venomous snakes and, poi- and scorpions. He brought you out of the hard rock, by water out of the hard rock. Gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. And he did this, why? He said, to humble you and test you to see if you really loved me or if you love what you love more. Fill in the blank. So God puts us through tests. Sometimes it's lean provision, like in manna. But with manna, they could eat as much as they wanted. But it only lasted for a day. Why do you think God only made it last for a day? Because he wants you to check in with him every day. He puts you on a schedule. He don't want to hear from you after you have messed everything up and you need an emergency seed. And you grab Amos 9.13 because you're in trouble. Plowman overtake the reaper. Uh, That's for faithful people. That's why, that's why a lot of people don't get excited about it anymore. Because we're always trying to treat, cheat the scriptures. Always trying to scam God. We want, we want big faith blessings with little faith input. If you can't trust God with your money, you won't be wealthy. You want a business that's going to take care of you, you better be given more than a tenth. You can't be, you know, you, come on now, you can't, it's nonsense. The fact that it's written down lets you know that's a standard for God. You know, if you ever want to know how much to give, it's written down in the Bible. God knew we would ask those questions and then ignore the answer. <laughs> But God wants, and, and I'm going to finish what I was reading, so let me, let me just finish that. And he says, he says, you might say to yourself, oh, he says, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble you. Now, he didn't give them manna because it was second grade food. You're not humbled by second grade food. You're ticked off by it. You just get more angry and more determined to go out and rob somebody and get you a steak. Or go start looking lean around the saints and hope somebody, you know, give you a holy handshake with a a food card in it or a restaurant card in it, one of them Happy Meal cards or something. Huh? No. Manna was was satisfying to them. 
it was good for them. God will never give, give you something you despise. Write that down, all you husband seekers. Oh, y'all don't think that's funny, huh? You need to laugh. Get it out your system. Everybody's little brain going tick, 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 trying to figure something out. He says, but but he says here, he gave a manna to humble them. It wasn't what they ate. It was how it was distributed. Every day they had to go out and gather it themselves. If you didn't gather it yourself, you didn't know how much to get, what it looked like. This will take the laziness out of everybody. If he tells you go out and gather it yourself, it means that he expects you to work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. And so he expects you to put forth some effort. When they lived in Egypt, they had the leftovers the Egyptians didn't want. But they didn't have to go out and gather it. It was just thrown at them. It was leftovers. You got me? So while they were working hard building the pyramids, they come home and want somebody to go fetch for them. Don't tell me you don't understand that. That's part of self-pity. You ever seen, sometimes women get like this. I don't know much about how men do. My husband always got up and worked. He would look at me and he said, you know, you just stay right there where you are. I'll take care. <laughs> don't worry about me. Don't worry about it, okay? I said, well, I come from a long line of women that's been trying to get out of the cotton field. <laughs> or I'm an artist. You know, every day it was a different story. Well, we work in our jammies. We don't. Oh, always something. But... Uh, working was new to them for their own provision so god wanted to associate work with food with bringing it in because he was going to bring them into a place where agriculture would be their primary herding and agriculture so it's not like they weren't working they were just working at a different occupation so he had them pick the manna every morning But it would never last until overnight. So he made sure that they had to thank him, expect him every day for their daily bread. Just like he expects us in the Lord's Prayer. It says, give us this day our daily bread. That is consistent throughout God's teaching to humanity. And he said he did that to humble you to see if you would obey him or not. So when they tried, and, and this is how we know there was some disobedience, because somebody found out that if you left the manna overnight and tried to sleep in the next morning and go get yesterday's manna, it was rotten already. It had worms in it the next morning, so you couldn't eat it. So how do you think they found that out? It's always some slackers. It's always some slackers and some slick willies in the bunch, huh? Yeah, I'm going to send my girls out to get my breakfast this morning. All right. Slick Willie got to get up and go fend for himself, too. So he says, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, 
to humble and test you so that in the end, in other words, this test will be over one day and you will pass it. Because in the end, I can do you good, but I can't do you a whole lot of good during the test, but I'll take care of you. God will never cut us off from provision. Don't let the devil snow you with that kind of lie and that kind of story. He always will do us good at the end of the testing period. Keep your nose to the grindstone during the test. Huh? Remember that phrase? We don't use it much in the church, but we need to. Huh? Because, you know, faith people make you think everything's falling out of heaven 24-7. You don't have to do nothing but confess it and it appears suddenly. (laughs) Well, let's kill that devil while we're killing him. Huh? There was a young, young man, a minister I met. He got married at age 41 or 42. He thought that was old. He said, every year I would think, God, if it doesn't happen this year, where is she, God? Somebody invited him to go on a missions trip where he had never been before. He didn't know the language, didn't know the people. And he didn't think anything of it. He said, okay, God, I'm going to go. You know, he wasn't thinking about wife. On the same missions trip was another evangelist from a foreign country. And she she was able to interpret for him. And all of a sudden, he said, God revealed that that was my wife. You understand what I'm saying? When you least think it, least of it. But you have to put forth some effort. You've got to let your faith take. The same faith that he was using to believe God for a wife was the same faith he used to get him over into the missions trip. That faith will pay off whatever you're doing. Don't dare let the devil make you let go of your faith. Your faith doesn't doesn't discriminate between what it's attached to. We do that. We want to use our faith for this, for that, for not that, for not that. I can do this okay. I got everything. Yep, yep. We're supposed to use it for everything. The Bible says justified people live by faith. You don't want to do anything that faith doesn't do for you. You don't want to get involved in it. So God tested Israel in the wilderness to get them to use their faith. Quit sitting on it. Get it off the shelf. Quit bragging about how much you use it. And start proving to God you're using it. He humbled them and led them for 40 years. Even though he was not always pleased with them. So you're going to get that sometimes. You're going to get where you missed it. You're going to get where it didn't work for you and you feel like you got to take a time out. (laughs) You know, God's not giving you one. You take that. Sit up there mad, angry, disgruntled. You know what's taking me so long? You get your lips up off the floor and put them back on your face and put the little corners up. It's called a smile. Show God you, he pleases you, and he might do something to please you. You understand what I'm saying? He wasn't always pleased with them, but he led them anyway. Why? He knew they would pass the test. If he kept them alive, they would pass the test. 
We have to be humbled. God gives us lean provision during the testing period to keep us close to him. I remember when I first went away to college, uh, people would play this game with, with college students. We, everything well, it was mail in those days, wasn't email. They'd send you a letter and say, oh, enclosed is, well, in those days, $5 was a lot of money. Enclosed is $5 to help you with your expenses or whatever, whatever. And they knew you would write them back and say, where's the $5? Because they hadn't heard from you. So they would drop that in there every now and then to see if they can get a rise out of you. You understand what I'm saying? And so parents had to do it, too, with their kids. Everybody did that. Amen. And so, so, and this is what God does with us. Test is so we can drop in regularly. Talk to your father. Don't let him stay a stranger. Make friends with him. Talk to him like you expect him to do good for you. Don't don't circumvent talking to him and start talking to, to, to God substitutes is what I call them. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody run up to the altar when they want something. You need to run to God as well. Amen. You know, don't stop that. Or they get together with the spouse and want to conspire against God. If you do more conspiring with each other than praying and giving these things over to the Lord, you're in trouble. Uh, you know, your spouse can be your, your biggest prayer partner or they could be your biggest hindrance. It's up to you too how you want to do it. So God will give us lean provision during the testing period. Why? Keep us close to him. Sometimes we have just enough money for bills. And it, well, most of y'all would collapse if that were true. And nobody in here just got enough for their bills. And I know you don't, because I see the evidence in your little cars. Ooh, McDonald's wrapper. Well, you know, somebody gave me a, somebody gave me a gift card. Liar. Huh? All them little containers. So nobody here is really living on lean provision. Let me get that straight with you. A few extras. We have to pray for provision day by day by day. Why? Not because God's stingy and he don't want to bless you. But he knows that if he gave you the whole enchilada today, he wouldn't see you until you ran out of enchiladas. And it's not that he's starving for attention. You need to stay close to him for you. Because you'll forget who you are. You know, if, 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 if Miss Nola let somebody else raise their kids, they wouldn't know they were Dillard's. You understand me? You, you stay close to, to what you're supposed to be drawn to. Where you get your identity from. How you, where you get your values from. You stay close in that. And so if, if God let us have what we want, he wouldn't see us for until we ran out of it. It's like the prodigal son went off and spent all of his inheritance ahead of time. He doesn't, that's not God's will for his children. You got me? His will is so that we can conform to the image of his son. You can't conform to nothing you're not in contact with. So he keeps us close, just enough money for bills and a few extras. We have to pray for provision day by day. 
does this to see what is in our hearts, whether we will serve him in good times and in bad. Remember wedding vows? That's what we have for God. Sickness and health, good times and bad. We serve God. Of course, most everybody with a marriage is looking for a loophole. Let's thank God you can't find none. He also makes provision for our prosperity and growth. During the times of testing, that's where the confidence that God provides for you comes from. You know, there's some people, though, I thank God Pastor Shirley prays for people here. You know, I really do. I really do. Because she has no problem believing God for good things for everybody. You understand what I'm saying? And that faith comes from trusting God in your troubled times. And there's a high price paid for that confidence. You understand me? You know, just respect that about people. When you see people who have a a, a gift to, to press you through and get you through, that didn't come just drop out on them. You understand what I'm saying? It came through paying the price in difficult times that stuff comes. And it comes through testing. Amen. He keeps us close to him. And that's what he wants. He wants us to have fellowship with him at all times. So he makes provision for us prosperity and growth. If we desire, we can always sow more seed in the form of worship, giving, serving. So you're never locked in to meager provision. God gives you ways to increase that. So as your faith is perfected through the testing, he allows you to use it and branch off into some other areas where you can can see your faith grow and see yourself prosper in that. But it'll be limited in the test. You understand what I'm saying? You may not be able to have the faith available to you for something that God has reserved for a future time. He will serve no wine before it's time. You got me? And you don't want it on life support. Like these little boyfriends y'all think y'all in love with. Huh? You know, some of us life support brothers. You know what I'm saying? You just, too much. They need too much. Tag. Tag, you can't even do Damn. Huh? That'll take the stars out of your eyes. Huh? <laughs> I tell all the guys, I said before, if you, you know you want to get married, let me let me go with you to buy the ring. Amen. I ain't seen nobody show up yet. <laughs> so I knew it. Faker. Come back when you're serious. Huh? I'll take the little scope out So you're never locked in. You can always get the exceeding abundantly beyond all he can ask or think. Amen. From God. They were fed manna, but that season of trial was due to end. All trials will end. If you stay in it. If you endure to the end of the trial, they will end. If you try to end them yourself, you get a repeat on it. Hmm? 
using your faith always shortens your testing period. For those of you who want to go to the head of the class, you can do that. But you got to continually use your faith for big things, small things, everything. You have to continually use it. Once you have been tested and proven... That is, you pass the test, God moves you to the next level of responsibility, the next level of, of anointing, next level of uh, um, progress and success and prosperity. He moves us on. Learn the things, keep the things with you that you learned in the test. See, we have a tendency, let me tell you what people do. You get, you get confused with what the end of the test is and a continual jubilee year. See, we get a little raise. You know, maybe $3 an hour, $5 an hour. They, they don't give them like they used to. You get a little raise. Oh, I was thinking, I was praying about something, and I I thought for sure God showed me Alexis. Alexis who? Is that a boy or a girl? (laughs) And see, there's people out there, the devil line up people that'll give you that kind of credit. Then you get the keys and start driving, and the first thing that hits you is worry. Mm, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Mm. Nothing wrong with Alexis. <laughs> I drive a Cadillac myself. I hate to even say that. It's like 25 years old is that car. Is it 20 years old yet? It's up there. Huh? <laughs> I drive the Cadillac myself. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but you know what? I feel good because I don't have the stress of bills. Notes. Well, I'm, I take that back. I lied. I, I create some with the credit cards. But I don't have everything on a note where I'm sweating everything. Yeah, And I can stop the credit card anytime I want to. You know what I'm saying. But those obligations of years of notes and all that kind of stuff. I used to listen to people who would say you could be debt free and not have a house note. And I would laugh at them, and I'm there. You know, I mean, Sarah did the same thing. She judged God funny the first time he promised her something that she thought was beyond her realm to attain. But she settled into it. It sounded good. I mean, even though you think it's a joke at first, God will make that word real to you. He don't care about you making fun of stuff. You don't have no manners. So, so uh, Miss Tanya, Miss Tanya, how long, darling? <gasps> I could do a lot with that. All right. So, level number two, what God does. So that's your first level. He proves you. You come through that one, and you're still serving God. You're still loving God. You got a little faith experience under your belt. You didn't go off and have a party and get yourself into debt. Now, you just stayed with God. You know, sometimes that's why you get a repeat on certain levels. He didn't mean for you to repeat, but you didn't stay humble to him in your time of prosperity. You understand what I'm saying? 
just keep paying your bills. Don't get slap happy. Don't don't try to go buy everything you ever thought you'd. You know, we've been through this before. I don't know how many times I stand here and tell people, don't sit up and wish you had money because you can do this, that, and the other. That's what your faith is for. Money is not for you to get stuff with. Your faith is for stuff. Jeez, I wish I could tell you the times I've wanted stuff and God said, "Uh uh-uh, use your faith. He made me not take that dollar bill out. You you understand what? And I had the money. He said, no, don't do that. You use your faith. Just like some of you did with your kids when they, you you knew they were strong enough to walk and they, Tony used to do that. He'd let anybody get him out that crib. I said, this little boy will run off with Jack the Ripper. I think he did. <laughs> he didn't care who you were. Right? He'd back up in that house. But you know that they're strong enough. They need to get stronger and start walking on their own. You need to quit carrying them around everywhere. Amen. And that's what God does with us, with our faith. He said, quit whining for everything i don't listen to that language start believing me you can get that with your faith and so he does that to test us don't be a repeat test person you and you know what i mean we've been through that where he had to start almost all over again starting Go down to rock bottom, boom, 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 just like you climbed all them rungs. <laughs> the descent is very, very hard. Quit doing that to yourself. Learn what it is that you need to do. You're to stay humble to God. Let him help you direct. You don't know what's coming against you tomorrow. God does. Learn how to listen to him. Second level is in James chapter 1. Where it tells us what the testing of our faith will do. What does he say? Quit whining. I don't know what version you read, but I'm reading the anti-whiner version. Which it, it speaks to me. I can't find James. I said all this stuff. Come on, James. I had a different Bible. Is it James one three? Somebody can read it for me. Y'all, y'all would do it if Jake's was your pastor. You'd be, oh yeah, yeah okay, Bishop, I'm gonna read. <laughs> read for Bishop. I, I got my own James. I don't need. Who needs you? All right, now <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. All right, I love y'all. But don't be messy with me. I'm the bishop too. I'm all the bishop you're going to get. It says, <laughs> consider it pure joy. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, not one every now and then, and you talk about it for 15 years, trials of many kinds. Because you know, now this is something you're supposed to be aware of. In other words, he says, you know that it's good for you. That's what he's saying. Uh-huh. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance or patience. Let perseverance finish its work. Hmm? And one scripture says, but you have need of patience. 
that you can be whole, entire, lacking nothing. Now, see, we don't really know what that means. We don't want to know. All I'm lacking is my stuff, God. Huh? That's what we think. We think in terms of what your faith can produce in a material realm instead of what it produces in a spiritual realm. What it produces in a spiritual realm is what we all see in people that we consider more spiritual than we are. You got me? People that you admire for what they're able to do as far as as spiritual things are concerned. And so if we understand that, that's more sought after than things. Because we know sinners can have things. So most Christians aren't really impressed by that. I wish the church world would understand that. You know, when we get up and talk to people about financial prosperity, your average Christian ain't that impressed by that. We're not. And I I know that's true because they're missing a great number of people who have needs way beyond the material. And somebody, I I forget it was maybe Benny Hinn or somebody like that said 90% of the requests they get are not for healing but for financial breakthroughs. And most of it's coming from church people. Sinners don't need stuff like, you know, sinners will say, you know, I I, I ain't hard up for money. I need something. I go stick a gun up so I know how to get my stuff. They don't need the church to teach them that. But they need a church to teach them how to live holy so that they can feel good about themselves. They don't feel, feel so bad they have to take dope and all that kind of stuff to numb themselves out of life. But when we think about what we lack, it tends to go to the material. You don't want it. Because you know what? If we really face the inner things that we lack, that's a little too hard. So we rather face the material because it's easier to say we need instead of what we really need. But God knows what you need on this side. So he's he getting, he getting around to fixing it up. And he says here, faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That's what we really need, but most Christians don't think that's real exciting. I don't know what it's going to excite us, but when we talk about maturity, we can't envision what the Bible means by that. You know what maturity means? You don't whine every time something goes bad. You have something left to minister to somebody because you're not always looking at what you lack, what you want, what you don't have yet, what the devil stole from you, what somebody said mean about you. What they're trying to do to you at your job. Mature people know that that ain't important. The devil's trying to make it important. When your faith produces maturity, you have something in you that says, you know, I really don't have anything to fret about. I might as well rejoice. So count it all joy Instead of looking forward to you. Right. Now I remember when I hated that scripture. I said, God don't really mean that. You mean it's joyful when your husband don't want to speak to you? And 
Hey, I want to give you stuff. You don't have your stuff. I didn't even know what stuff I wanted. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you're just disgruntled, period, because you're used to living like that. And so I started to look at that as a means to get me out of a natural response to my situation and get me into a, a place where I could ride above the situation and live like it's done before it's done. That's what these things are for. Mature people live like it's done before it's done. They don't wear everything that they're upset about on their faces. You got me? They wear Christ on their faces. So he says here, the reason we need joy is for the warfare we have to face. When Israel was in the wilderness, God did everything for them. They got up every morning. It was right there. If they got where they were thirsty, he had water come out of a rock. If they were in a wilderness where there was no rock, they looked behind them and the rock had followed them from the last place that they were there. Everything was supernatural. But it was still a place of humility because they weren't free to go out and get everything they wanted under their own power. They, they had no resources to reach out and be tempted beyond where God had them. Sometimes wilderness is a pretty cool place if you know how to function there. You understand what I'm saying? And there is a purpose for it. There's going to be restrictions on your Christian life every day that you live. You're not going to be free to just do what you want to do. Because the Holy Ghost puts a restraint on you. You have no clue what God's ordained for your life. Because mostly we only get a glimpse of part of it as we're able to reach out for it. God will show you everything. You know why? Most of us would just screw it up. Or we sit there trying to redo it. Huh? Redecorate God's house. Well, God, I don't know if I really like that part of it. Maybe I can get a substitute. So we only get enough to focus on to get us to the next place for those of you who are always trying to get everything at one time take the next step that's that's enough for everybody you have grace to make it to the next place of grace and then another place of grace and then another this is a walk with god not by yourself so our faith Israel goes from the wilderness to the promised land. The testing in the wilderness is aimed at preparing us for war. There was no war in the wilderness. In confronting enemies and possessing land or promises. Our faith at the beginning is not what it is at the end of the test. It's not. And you may come out of a test and feel that you lost everything or that you didn't accomplish anything. But I can guarantee you, you got a lot out of that. I don't care what happened at the end of it. You might have lost something material. at the. That ain't nothing. You know how quick God can produce and make other material stuff? See, let me say it again. Because, you know, people, y'all still having funeral over stuff that got taken away from you that you know was nothing but a burden for you anyway. You actually got freed up. You didn't lose nothing. You gained. But let me ask you this. While you were in the process of trying to hold on to it, 
What happened? Mm-hmm. See, you know what? We focus so much on the wrong stuff. Everybody looking at what they lost. We're still trying to get it back. In the process of trying to hold on to it, what did you gain? Oh, you don't think you grew any? <laughs> you didn't use your faith to try and pay for it anyway? Even though you suspected you weren't going to be able to hold on to it, you didn't use your faith to trust God when it looked like the repo people were coming out anyway and you still held on to it for 18 months, 16 months. You don't think that was a game for you? I'm going to say that again. You know what? Maybe we've been on the wrong page for a while here. People having funerals over stuff that they lost. Let me put it to you again. You see where Donald Trump is? You think he had any funerals over bankruptcies? Shook it off, found him a good lawyer, what he could afford, and kept by going. Huh? Didn't stop at millionaire status. He made it to billionaire status. Why? Because he didn't weep over anything. Huh? Sitting up thinking it's a loss when actually it's a gain. There's some things we get into after a while that's not worth holding on to. You don't have the power to hold on to it anyway. It was leaving anyhow. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say this again. It was leaving anyhow. We get so upset about things that, oh, well, you know, this is broken. I couldn't get it fixed and we don't have this anymore. We don't, you know, it's, it's a blessing sometimes to let things get out of your life because the maintenance and upkeep on them is too. You know, when my car gets so old, I get tired of putting money into it. Then I'll go get another one. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, and I won't consider it so much of a loss, but I can tell you many people think they're supposed to keep everything forever. <laughs> want to sell it. It's, it's already broken down and rotten. You want to sell it for $5,000. Huh? Price tag on it's too high. It's a piece of junk by now. Your faith has been worn out. The anointing's melted all the inner parts in it. I mean, come on. What else do you want out of it? <laughs> Brother Copeland said that the power God moved in so strong in one of his meetings, his watch stopped and they couldn't fix it. He said, he said, I looked at that watch and I could tell that was the exact time the power God hit that place. Huh? Why do you think God doesn't come down in full power most of the time? Most of us would get the itch. We're allergic sometimes to the anointing. We just why it takes some people so long they sit in their seat till it's almost time for the service to be over and then they get up yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's God this time whatever but there's some things that you will go out of your life and the sooner you can quit crying about it the better off you're going to be how long you going to mourn for Saul seeing as how I done fired him already Samuel even prophets that y'all think is so mean have feelings. We cry over y'all. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. 
So, so you have to understand, though, listen, when I met God, I cried all the time. You know how glad I am not to feel, have to weep anymore? Amen. See? And y'all want me to start weeping over your little stuff? I don't think so. You get up and use your faith. You kidding me? I'm not going to feel sorry for you. What I had to go through to get here, you don't want to have to do. Let me show you how not to have to go there so often. You got me? So we can all live. But God, you will pass the test, folks. There's no such thing, even if you have to have a do-over. <laughs> do-over over and over, you will pass the test. If you you get a do-over because you did something that you probably shouldn't have, you didn't use wisdom the last time coming through. Repent. Tell God you want wisdom now. See, a lot of times we try to act like we're all confused about, well, how am I in this spot? I don't know how. Yes, you do. You know how you got there. Using your whatever's whatever's you've been using. That's how you got there. But it doesn't mean you have to stay there, and it doesn't mean you have to repeat, repeat, repeat. How many times are you going to do the ninth grade over again? I know you're scared of high school. <laughs> That's all it is, folks. We're scared of the next thing. Hmm. Quit your do-overs. Let your faith expand beyond. When you get a promotion or you get a raise or you get something, let that go in the bank and think about your next level already. Huh? My husband did that for years. I saw him go from almost nothing revolving door type you know <laughs> of course he was married to me what else could he do but you know what i'm saying but you'll see people go from almost they're confused they don't know what's going on all he did was be cool and don't try to treat me too bad <laughs> you don't work the prophetess over she might quit praying for you so he had that much i'm serious he had that much sense you know people get mad at you they quit doing you understand what we human <laughs> not that that was a condition I would obey God anyway I'd have been dry about it but I'd have been obedient you know dry for a couple of days and then straighten up but all he had to do was not make waves go along for the ride say what he wanted he didn't even have to pray with me all he had to say was well you know I was talking to the boss today and all I knew was let's pray for the next place in his life you see what I'm saying it doesn't take much but I can tell you this much, he was always planning for the next level of promotion in life. As believers, we need to always be planning for the next. You don't have time to have a party. You don't have time to squander resources. You don't have time to quit using your faith and get over in the flesh and think your great personality got you where you are. You don't have time for that. But you need to stay humble, stay in the cut. Get ready for the next. God, I thank you for this. Thank you, Lord, to help me to hold on to this and prepare me for the next. And I mean that's got to be a, a private thing between you and God. You don't go around bragging to everybody. I'm going to be president of the company one day. If God don't say you will, you won't. And that kind of stuff you need to keep to yourself because the devil will find out you run around bragging. He'll give you something to work on. You understand what I'm saying? With God's permission. Because you need to learn how to keep holy things holy. 
But I'm telling you, you can be ready for the next level, even in prosperity, even in more, even in in uh, 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 plenty. You can be perched for your next level if you know how to stay humble before God and understand what he's doing. He's doing things in your inner. He doesn't care about your outer. That's up to you to believe him for what you need materially. But he is definitely committed to what you need on the inside of you. We all got it? Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your on people getting their healing through whatever we need to do 